this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Diaz and Tim Minichi. Jay, this week we've got another Patreon pick. It's our, I think this will be, uh, what's today? Well, no, this will be the first review. This is our first review of February, Jay. <laughs> I, did, I, did, I couldn't remember uh, what day it was or what day is coming up. That's probably bad, right? <laughs> if I don't know uh... where I am in space and time at the moment. It's all good. It's all good. Okay. I mean, as long as you're happy. Well, that's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> hey, he doesn't know where he is, but he's happy. Right. There you exactly. Go. Mm-hmm. You're not feeling any pain, right? As long as you're not in any pain no, and you're happy, it doesn't really matter if you're conscious. Just a dull hum all the time. Jay, as you know, when we do these Patreon picks, we always like to invite the person on who is picking the album that we're going to be checking out. And so this week, joining us from, I did not ask in pre-chatter, so I don't know where uh, he's joining <laughs> us from, but he'll he'll fill us in. Whitney Beeler, welcome to the show, Whit. Hi, thanks for having me on. I'm from Minneapolis. Excellent. Okay. So did we do well? Are you, okay, are you originally from Minneapolis? Is that where you're currently I'm actually not from the city of Minneapolis, but I've been a, a a state resident, Minnesota resident, my whole life. Okay, how'd we? Do so I'm insane. It's freezing cold here. Table. Did we did we cover all the? Uh, yeah, you did, and I commented at the time. I commented on Patreon about it, and I I really was kind of not in the middle of it, but I was. It it felt like there was some bands that I had seen that I that I was uh, familiar with that you talked to, but um, you did guys did a really good job. Nice history lesson. Okay, cool. I always worry about that. Like, we're going to get somebody on who's an actual local and like, that was BS. <laughs> you blew no, I'm it. not going to do that to you. Okay, good. So tell the audience who are listening to us on this episode. I'm just going to keep going down a rabbit hole here. Tell everybody what album you picked for your 12-month review. And thank you for sticking with us for 12 months to get this review. What, what did you pick? Well, first of all, thanks for doing this. I really like your podcast. Um, I picked a 1997 album by the Tories called Wonderful Life. Okay, now how did you come upon this record? All right, so I came upon this record. I first heard of the Tories. I think I was just coming down off the grunge high that everyone else was on. And I was just looking for something different, and I started to get into power pop music. I've always been like a fan of vocal harmonies and power chords and I, most of the time, I, I tend to listen to music that settles into like the broad power pop genre, and the Tories fit right in. I mean, you know, I grew up listening to my sister's Bassy Rollers and Rick Springfield records, and then I got into Kiss and Cheap Trick and Van Halen and the Cars all on my own, and it just—it's always been kind of melodies and harmonies and stuff that I that I really enjoyed. So the Tories hit that really well. Did you discover this, or did you get this when it came out, or was this? Oh no! I get this when it I get this when it came out. In fact, I tried pretty hard to see them in concert, which was next to impossible uh, because they weren't around very long. Um, but uh, yeah, I got it right when it came out. Me and a couple of friends really got into it, and um, yeah. So how did you did you read a review in a magazine somewhere? Because this was not a no. I actually huge heard release. it. I heard it in a record store. 
Uh, oh, okay. I heard it in like an indie record store in Minneapolis and uh, and uh, just heard it there and picked it up. That's that's how I heard it. Ah, the record store. Although yes. they are an L.A. band, so yes, they, they have nothing to do with Minneapolis. But yeah, that's where I first heard it. Jay, were you familiar with the Tories at all? Not at all. No, I had never heard of them. Neither had I. So, <laughs> well, this is awesome. So I, I stumped the uh, stumped the host. <laughs> That's uh, not yeah. too hard to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Based on the number of albums that uh, cro- have crossed our path, I would I would guess probably over half that we didn't know them. One of us at least didn't know the record before it was on the show. So, which is kind of the point, I think. I mean, we- I, I tell you something, you guys, when you like talked to. Um, uh gosh 11 uh when you guys had that podcast on 11 i could not Mm -hmm. believe that you guys reviewed that i was like wow someone else heard this thing you know so you guys do a good job of finding the odd stuff here and there yeah oh wow that goes back to like season two that's season yeah yeah i was going back through your your old podcasts and uh gosh the guy's name just escapes me you had an interview with him and everything it was awesome alan johannes yeah that's it yeah yeah Yeah. that was pretty impressive that you guys found that one I don't remember how we did. Yeah, I, had, I mean, I had seen them live. I think that's how I discovered them. So they yeah, toured anyways. with uh, Candlebox. I so. felt like I needed to bring uh, the Tories into it and find something that's uh, just as good, hopefully, but not, you know, maybe as obscure. I don't know. Well, let's just do a little bit of history. You mentioned they were from Los Angeles, actually formed in 95. The band was Steve Bertrand on vocals and guitar, J.J. Ferris on guitar and vocals, James Guffey on bass and vocals, and Brent Klopp on drums. This album, uh, their first album came out in uh, 97, as you mentioned, uh, Wonderful Life. And then I believe they had a second album. I don't know the year. Do you know the year? It was called The Upside The Upside of Down? Yeah, it was 2001. Okay. And then, so what's interesting... Well, that, uh, that album actually had a hit on it. They had the... They did the theme song from that old show, Jesse, with Christina Applegate on it. Yeah. Yeah, it got popular for a couple of weeks, I think, and that was about it. So they do that theme show, and then they actually did the theme show for four um, or for three more network shows. Mm-hmm. They did it one called Zoe on the WB, which starred Selma Blair. And then they did one called AUSA on NBC, starring Scott Foley. Who I think Scott Foley was like on Felicity before that, and then they did the the U.S. version of Coupling. That was that British show that they tried. It was like when when they were all trying to NBC was trying to um, reinvigorate their like Thursday night lineup after Seinfeld went off the air and Friends and stuff. Sure, sure. And then they started bringing in like Coupling and The Office and redoing these British shows, and they they did that one. So they did. Four, that's crazy that one band did four different TV shows in the 2000s. Yeah. Um, and then Steve Bertrand has gone on. He actually had another band called Avion that had a couple of top 30 singles. And he did the he was in the house band for The Voice and now does film and TV composing for like a couple different shows and and. He does some stuff. He does some work with Netflix, I guess, for their their shows. And it's basically, it's interesting. He's one of those guys. Like we've run across this now. Like people who were like in, you know, not necessarily hugely successful bands. I mean, they got signed to major labels, but they probably, you know, 
didn't make a career off of that, but they were able to turn that into a film and production, or you know, a pro- not production, but um, composing job. I think like Matt Mahaffey from Self is like doing, you know, music for kids shows, and uh, Kay Hanley, same thing. Letters to Cleo. It's like composing. man, you just named two. Of, you just named two of my uh, favorites. I really like those two. I loved Letters to Cleo and uh, and Self. He did something called Wired All Wrong, which was great too. Um, I forget. I forget his name though. I know him as the guy from Self. So, yeah. And then uh, I, there's something about kids music because uh, you know they're both doing kids shows, and then Lisa Loeb is was nominated for a Grammy. I don't even. It's on like right now we're recording for her kids album, which was up against Jay Gustafer, Yellow Gustafer, or Gustafer Yellow. I, I think that goes Morgan Taylor that we spoke with. From from Mink, he was up for a Grammy. Really? Yeah. Wow. Against Lisa good for Lowe. him. That's awesome. Yeah, for kids, you know, original music or whatever. Um, I don't know what the exact category is, but that was really. It's just all these crazy, like, uh, you know, people. If you had gone back into the nineties, to be like, yeah, all these people are gonna make kids music and get <laughs> nominated for Grammys and uh, and Emmys for their music for children's shows. Like what? <laughs> Anyway, let's get back onto the Tories here. So, is this an is this an album that you pick up often with that you that you listen to often, or had you put this down for a while? No, this one has kind of stuck with me for a long time. It usually is uh, in my rotation of of older stuff that I have. Yeah. Okay. So before we get into it, I want to just mention we had a couple comments over at our Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash dig me out. Keith Sawyer said, completely new to me. Thanks for selecting it, Whitney. After one go-through, would easily slot them in with the power pop category as it is super reminiscent of the Greys with the mega hooks aplenty. Great grainy guitar sound, superb vocal harmonies, way out front. What holds me back is the lead vocals. I still can't tell if this is the same guy in every song. The style vacillates. That's a big word there. Uh, between mm-hmm. expressive early 70s rockers, say Mark Lindsay, to high register emo style, latter day, sunny day real estate, even a smidge of Weezer. This approach can work. Jump Little Children, for instance, but I found he often took me out of the songs. His best track was not what it appears. Now, you responded that you were going to tell us what your favorite track was uh, on this record. We'll get into that later. And uh, Steven Musinski said, I definitely drew the vocal comparison to Andy from The Jellyfish right away. Glad I'm not the only one on that. This record is definitely a bit too long at times. The vocals come off as overindulgent to me, but I overall dig the album. Good pick, Whitney. That might be the first time that uh, there are two good picks in uh, shout-outs uh, for this year. So good job there. The version of the album that I downloaded came with a radio remix of Not What It Appears, and I must say that version seems to work better for me. I can't quite figure out why, but for some reason the album version comes and goes without me batting an eye and then when i and then when the alternate version hits at the end of the album i'm like oh yeah now this is a great song so i don't know what he's i don't i don't think i've heard that other version you know i don't think i have either actually i wasn't sure what he was i'm gonna seek it out i guess i did find there's a website if you put in uh the band name and album title you can find a an mp3 a zip file with demos from this record. So I haven't checked it out yet because I've been focusing on just listening to the record, but I'm going to be curious to go back and check it out at some point. There's only like 13 of the 
songs, but still interested to give a listen. Yeah, I have a I have a couple of demos, uh, decent demos. They sound pretty good, actually. Oh, okay. So, song titles escape me at this point, but whatever. So let's talk about uh, something that we liked about this record. So I'm going to break format here. Wit, I'm going to go with you first. When you first heard this record or now, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It could be both. It could be either, whatever. What was the first thing that connected with you when you heard this record? You thought, oh, I, oh, I like this. Well, I th- it's it's always kind of the style of music that I like. Usually I like stuff a little heavier, but this was, you know, I don't want to call these guys like Jellyfish and Blue Jeans or anything, but they were kind of the, they kind of reminded me of Jellyfish who I had just kind of gotten into. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've never met, I've never met anyone I've recommended this to that, you know, didn't end up liking it mostly. Um, you know, songs I put on mixtapes, I'm kind of showing my age there or playlists, I guess. I always got asked, you know, who are these guys? They're, it's just a fun album to listen to. The mix really separates the vocals and the instruments. And, you know, whenever I listen, I hear something new, which is what I love on my favorite records. That's always what happens. You know, there's a hand clap or some kind of lo-fi vocals or some little keyboard parts. I just kind of enjoy the album overall just because it's got a few nice ballads, but it's it's mostly just kind of chugs along and has some great harmonies and guitar parts. So it's the long and short of it. You mentioned that you have a favorite song that you were going to reveal. Let me oh. ask you. Has that changed since you first heard the record? The the one you're going to reveal now is your favorite song. No, no, isn't that isn't the suspense killing you? Right? Yes, no it is. No one's ever heard you heard this before. But <laughs> well, my favorite has always been Gladys Kravitz. Has always been my favorite song. Okay. Which is a reference, or it was the name of the neighbor on Bewitched. Yep. That's where that name comes from. I, thought, I don't know if the lyrics have anything to do with her or not, but I don't know. Her, her name's in there. I thought it was Lenny Kravitz's mom at first or something like that, but uh, <laughs> it was not. Jay, you're coming to this album fresh. What'd you like about it? Well, the harmonies are pretty fantastic. I also like that, yes, you hear the similarities to the jellyfish, but they're not that i guess um extravagant <laughs> musically you know it's simpler music and and sparser at times so it, you then can appreciate the harmonies even more so i think on some of the tracks where you know there's be passages where there's very little you know accompaniment there'll be maybe a bass line and a drums or some you know quiet guitar you really you really can appreciate the harmonies a lot which i which i love and appreciated there's good you know and just good songwriting i think it's just solid from start to finish um we'll get into uh how many songs there are in the record but right um you know I, I think the songwriting is very very sharp very smart um you know they always get to the hook pretty quick they get to the vocal quick um there's some really cool like second halves of choruses you know so Instead of just having, you know, a big hook and getting out, they usually have 
a second section of the chorus that I like, whether it be uh, adding another instrument or changing up the melody or introducing a different chord. So I, I like that quite a bit. And uh, the guitar work is, 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 um, it's tasteful, but there are some leads on here where, you know, it gets fuzzy. They use a, like a fuzz um, octave effect a lot for the solos. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of gets a cool, real organic, uh, you know, kind of snarly sound on some of those solos, which is nice um, to help contrast the sugariness of, of all the melodies and hooks. So that's what I like. How about you, Tim? There is a familiarity with some of the bands that were mentioned. I think that's just natural when you because power pop is such a it's such a unique little niche of rock music that when you hear a band that sort of is doing that thing you instantly start identifying them with you know the other bands that are close and the fact that you know jellyfish and the grays are you know two 90s bands that are mentioned you know i i heard you know stuff like you know bad finger and uh, cheap trick here and there and that your observation about the 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 double chorus i mean that is such a hard thing to pull off for any band and bands that are like you know in this space the power pop bands they seem to do it so effortlessly it's actually kind of like amazing that so many bands they can, you know it's like we wrote this awesome chorus but here let's just go a little bit further and write a second part of this awesome chorus the one thing that i really enjoyed and i think that has been mentioned is his vocal is it just sits kind of perfect i think overall with the with the band um you mentioned what about their like you it's like separated but not in a way that's like it's not blatant like they buried you know the band behind the vocal you can hear all the cool guitar stuff. You can hear what's going on with the rest of the band. And there's a lot of cool little instrumentation things that are going on. But, you know, to be able to pull this off, there have been bands that have tried to do this power pop, but they don't have the singer to, like, quite get it all the way there. And he clearly, like, has command of his vocal and is able to play with his phrasings and his how he delivers parts and, and shift things around that just... It's just one step above what most bands are are capable of. So Steve Bertrand's uh, the vocals and and what he does with the delivery is really the thing that like sells the band for me. Uh, I mean, there's a lot going on that really works, but that's if you if you can't get the vocals right and you can't pull the melodies off and you can't pull off the the harmonies and stuff, it's just not going to work. But they they do it in spades. So Jay, you, you know, you mentioned about the length. This is gonna sound weird, but it actually didn't bother me. What? I I know that sounds crazy. Stop. But like this record just floats by. Like I don't even like I would put it on, I'd be listening to it, it'd just be like jamming to each song, and then it would get to the end, and I'd be like, Oh, we're at the end of the record. Like it didn't feel like I think I uh, it might help that like It's an hour and seven minutes. I know. <laughs> I know. 17 tracks. I know that's crazy. Oh, actually you guys, it's actually the album was really 14, I believe. Cuz the version that I bought way back when I bought it, uh when it first came out, it was 14 tracks. Okay. And somewhere along the line 7 uh, 3 got added to it. Okay, that's interesting cuz that's what's on um yeah, that's on Spotify. There's uh there's 17 tracks. 
that yeah. makes a and, little uh, bit more sense. And if I and honestly, I obviously really like this album. And but if I would would have been the person that like originally said, "Hey, let's record this record," I would have stopped it after the eleventh one, just to make it not so long. Which sounds weird yeah. coming from someone who loves it. Well, it feels a little bit like um, anybody who's been in a band. If you are, I, I guess, footing some of the bill to go re- record the record, or or it's your first record, like you just you're not going to not put a song on the record. So it felt a little bit like just a bunch of songs they had and they just put them all out together. I could almost hear this being split into two records, you know? So when I say it's too, you know, there's just, it's long. It's not that there's material on here. That's not solid. It's that I'd like to hear, I'd be curious. It'd be interesting to look at like breaking it up into two, like 70 style power pop records, you know? I'm uh, glad Tim likes the whole thing personally. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. This this totally betrays our typical uh, CDs are overly long in the '90s rhetoric because uh, it really does kind of. I mean, if if the songs weren't strong, I would say that uh, it's it's not worth it. But there's, there's but you're saying so you you better. like all the songs, but are you saying that you think it actually works like? I mean, cohesively as a record. I, I, I agree with you. I mean, if you trimmed it back a little bit, it would make more sense. I mean, I looked at it first. I was like 17 songs. What the hell? What's going on? And, uh, but I was like, eh, they're all good songs and they're, they're relatively short. I mean, none of these songs are like, there's no, there's a couple of, there's two five minute tracks and then everything else is like, or three, uh, everything else is like really reasonable, like two and a half, two and three quarters to four and a half i mean that's pushing it like most of these songs are like 330 346 352 i mean i can take a lot of that Mm -hmm. those are all and they're all tightly constructed and they all have you know just they're i didn't feel like anything was repetitive in terms of oh we already hit this style of on this song or that but from a yeah, if I was throwing on a record and I wanted it to be tight, I could totally see trimming this down to like five songs per side or four songs per side. And then, like you're saying, Jay, you know, there's the potential of there being like two really amazing power pop records sitting right here with this one release. I'm curious as to where these three extra songs came from because <laughs> that's that's weird. For for reference, Big Star's number one record is 36 minutes long. Yeah. So you could edit this into two, you know, 36 minute long records. That'd be awesome. Which would have been reasonable in the 1970s to release two records in the same year. Yeah. So, I mean, they yep, could have literally released one in January, another one in June, and it would have been like, okay, that's totally normal. Yeah. God, how great would that be if bands did that more now? Uh, be fun. Got, it would be fun and they overthink everything. Of course, the number of pledge campaigns I'd be involved with would be uh, <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> so I already got yes. enough problems with that. So besides the length, Jay, yeah, was there anything that didn't work? There are pockets of the record where they get into kind of a generic pop rock sound. So like bands like Dishwalla came to mind for a song like Scared. Marvelous 3 came to mind for a song like Happy...
space hog came to mind for spaceships in the sky. You know, there, there's there's these spans of the record for me where it just it loses a little bit of that special sauce in terms of the either the focus on the you know having a sharp up tempo rhythm and a really strong hook and bringing it together with a compelling you know dynamics and presentation there's there's pockets where they nail that like three or four songs in a row and then i've got stretches in my notes where it's it kind of dips below and kind of goes into this average territory and then it comes back up again so mm-hmm. i think that's my biggest criticism of the record are, are some of those bands okay and none of it's bad it's just not as you know compelling as some of the other spots no i unique. i i get what you're saying i think the comparisons to those other bands is it's not far off i like spaceships in the sky i just like that like vibe of that song and the excuse me the the rhythm section uh you know what that what's going on there and and it, lyrically it's kind of fun yeah there's a couple songs on here where they there's some humor to the lyric which is which is refreshing yeah and all i think your, all of your crimes is another one yeah i don't know if we can count that one though because that's 15 and <laughs> that that came from the uh <laughs> the bonus tracks that we didn't we weren't aware of this is what the record is now so yeah it is this it now exists because nobody owns the cd well actually i just ordered the cd to uh i got it for a dollar online because I, I wanted to put it in my my dig me out uh archive but uh in reality it's a 17 song album because the majority of people who are going to hear this are going to hear it because of spotify or you know some sort of online service so that's interesting that somewhere someone decided that there were three more songs to go on this record and now they are yeah i don't know when that happened i i've uh my original copy's got 14 on it so uh, i thought i mentioned to you guys that it had 14 on it and not 17 originally but um it's it's 17 songs on like google play music too which is uh, the streaming service i use so uh you know i might not have passed that along to jay and i might have forgot about that information myself well, i don't want to get you in trouble or anything well here's the truth jay and i don't communicate about the albums <laughs> i could have just we actually stopped don't with, like don't each other very much right this is this is kind of a mad dog and russo situation <laughs> um we don't we don't we we purposely don't discuss anything about the record during the week on, only except for when we're going to record it because we don't want to bias each other sure so i probably read that and went oh okay and then didn't think to pass it along and on a few occasions that has hurt us because jay goes and finds some other version of the record that was like oh i have the uk version oh i listened to the u.s version which has three different songs and a different track listing and now we've screwed up this review which it has happened in the past where <laughs> i don't remember what album it was but I know that at least once we were like listening to two completely different records. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, part of the fun. It is part of the fun. It's part of the drama that we create by refusing to speak to each other. So in terms of some stuff that didn't work, I, you mentioned Jay, you thought you liked the, the lyrics on um, spacious in the sky. I think that's the one thing I was missing. Not missing really. Cause I mean, the band's doing what they do and it, they do it well. But I could have used a little bit more quirkiness, if that's the right way to put it. 
that's the like one of the things I enjoy about jellyfish is that there's a there's a bit of a weirdness to a lot of what they do. And this to me feels like it was a you know it was a certain vision of probably not far off. I you know actually another band that I was thinking of that is not far off from this would be like a Fountains of Wayne in terms of writing just like pop radio songs. Um, like when I listened back to that first Fountains of Wayne record, obviously they're not. I don't think they're power pop in the same vein, although they have some power pop tendencies. But I there are there were some spots where I was like, oh, there'd be cool if it was just like a little bit odder, a little bit weirder. Like you mentioned, the the, the comparison to like Dishwalla, for example. Like I don't need to hear a band trying to do a Dishwalla song. Mm-hmm. Now you could do a more melodic version, and it's going to be a better ver- better song. It's it's not a you know I'm going to dismiss the album because. They didn't meet my expectations of weirdness or, or quirkiness, but that, I think that's one little element that I would have liked to have heard a little bit more of, like like the spaceships in the sky type stuff. Yeah, when they do get a little quirky with the lyric, though, it does definitely stand out. So, like, all of our crimes, it starts off with, uh, should have never squirted my dog with the water hose. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the first thing you hear, and you're like, what? Where is this going? Like, what the hell is he talking about? So, yeah, I mean, a little bit more of that would probably, again, make the record a little, uh, I, I think, just elevate it to something uh, more special, you know, special. So, wit. Anything on this record that has bothered you for the last twenty-one years that you're like, eh, I would have changed that. <laughs> so one thing. So, so yeah, actually, come to think of it, um, well, first of all, you know, the jellyfish comparison probably isn't fair. They're not nearly as flamboyant as jellyfish. Right. I think the jellyfish thing comes from the Andy Sturmer vocals that you know Steve Bertrand sounds like and Sturmer. it's just the way it is but for me now i don't skip through ballads but ballad things i consider ballads like scared and green hill and strange they're just a little too long i would like Mm -hmm. them to not be five and a half minutes long and maybe be three and a half minutes long um you know other than that i obviously don't have too many beefs with the album i concur with you there if if those were shorter i mean it the ballads are the five minute long songs they're the only ones if they were trimmed, you could even make a case for, in the original 14-song format, it being reasonable. Yeah, uh, yeah. So so let me ask you guys. This comes out in 1997. Why didn't we hear of it? You heard of it because somebody played it in a record store. <laughs> Jay and I, I mean, we were working at college radio, and this completely escaped us. So was this just two jellyfish like i think of jellyfish as being completely like just they're not going to make it to mainstream radio they're just it's just not what's going to happen for them 
Is this too much in that vein? And in, in like in terms of like if you're gonna do power pop in the '90s, it's kind of be like got to be like Matthew Sweet esque power pop. A little little bit more, I don't know, crunch. Yeah, I think I I don't know. I think that was might have been part of it, but yeah, they. To me, I was listening to that kind of stuff, right? I was listening to Matthew Sweet. I was listening to, uh, oh my gosh, now I'm going to total, totally black out on some of these bands. I was listening to Fountains of Wayne. I was listening to that kind of stuff, uh, Fastball or whoever. I mean, I don't know. Um, and I just don't, you know what? It really comes down to who knows what's going to happen with popular music. I don't know. Um, you know, who knows what hits and what doesn't. Like for me right now, I mean, I love this kind of stuff and I love melodic rock music and it might as well be polka music right now because, I mean, if it's if there's a guitar in it, it ain't going to get on the radio, right? On mainstream pop radio. So it, it's... Right. Who can figure it out, right? I don't know why. this. To me, this is one of my favorite records and everybody I have listened to this or at least hear some tracks off it say, yeah, I really like that. I really like that. Um, and But, you know, just disappeared. So I don't know. It's really the theme of uh, we've talked about in the past, which whenever we do our uh, power pop in the 90s episode, we'll get into deeper. But the the oddity that it's music written to be popular and that it's usually never popular. <laughs> like, I mean, I right. mean, you know, music, music right so now is just like chanting and snaps and pops and clicks. There's like there's not a I don't know. There's just not a lot of room for guitars and harmonies in popular music right now and i thought there was like back in the late 90s but you know and the tories had a lot behind them as far as like you know like like uh like tim said they had a lot of uh a lot of they were doing soundtracks for tv or tv theme songs and stuff and and uh you know they seemed to be one of the earliest uh they were the second band signed to this y2k encoded music n2k uh, yeah and we're gonna talk about that so it was the jazz house label it, wow it, yeah it was a it had like you know released albums by a, a wide variety of folks but yeah it was it was for jazz and house music out of new york oh geez maybe that was part of the problem so what wrong, the hell were label. they doing on there like how does a, a california power pop band end up on a jazz house record label based out of new york which ceased operations in 2005. Uh, <laughs> shockingly, I, yeah, I don't, I don't understand. Like, I don't know what was going on here. Who knows? They were like an early release too. Like the the label started in ninety. Well, the first release was in ninety six, and like I'm looking at the artist, and I don't recognize any of these names. I assume these are all like jazz musicians or house musicians. Like, and then there's like a an All Saints single out of nowhere and then that's it it's all like yeah it's all like jazz people like what what's going on so that might have had something to do with it that they were on a completely the completely wrong label it's like Sheila Devine being on Roadrunner it does not make sense so that could that could be it so we solved it I think so that's as good of a uh, reason as I've ever heard so there you go (laughs) all right let's talk about overall ratings on this record were the album better ep decent single jay were the album i think it would be a fun exercise to sit down and um like i said maybe resequence it into two eps but you know i think all the material here is strong 
And, you know, th- there's a decent amount of um, Power Pop in the 90s to revisit, but there's not a ton. And, you know, this is among the better that we've listened to. Um, and by the way, this record makes a great uh, radio playlist on Spotify. Um, it pulls up a lot of bands that we've reviewed, Super Drag and Brendan Benson and Matthew Sweet. And it's uh, a it tease up quite a good radio station on on Spotify. Well, I think actually, Jay, with 17 songs, if, if we're using the Spotify version, we can actually, you don't have to do two EPs. You can actually do two albums. You could do an eight song album and a nine song album. And, right, uh, right, right, right. And, and yep. so you still have a worthy album either way. That's, there you, you have go. two worthy albums. Two worthy albums. <laughs> <laughs> New grade. Yeah, I, I agree. This is a worthy record. And I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, later this year when we do our genre dissection of power pop in the 90s. Because now that we've reviewed this, we can talk about how this fits in with those artists that you've mentioned and some of the other ones that we've brought up. It's it's a power pop's a hard thing to pull off, and when it's done right, it really works. And uh, clearly, these guys knew what they were doing, and Steve Bertrand especially with uh, going on to have a successful career, not just as a a guy a lead singer in a band, but with all the other stuff he did. So, yeah, I really like this record. Uh, I'm sure with that you're also going to give this a worthy album. I'm guessing. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that the Tories have a a video where they like got together here like over the last year and recorded a new song or two that is out on YouTube. It's a decent song. It's nice to see them get back together and they hinted at like doing something new, putting a new album together or something. I, I think the power pop genre is tough because it's so broad too. I mean, yeah. a lot of stuff can, a lot of stuff can be classified as power pop and it it's frustrating because if you think back and I I don't want to like reveal too much of my age here but you think back and it was like the popular thing right i mean in the in the early 80s late 70s even in the the mid to late 90s it kind of had a or even early aughts it kind of had a a revival i guess um there's still bands that make a lot of good stuff out i just uh good power pop out there i just heard um uh recently a guy named wesley fuller who has an album out inner city dream that's really good that i like and uh sitcom neighbor is another good band they have a album called shag and uh those are like two good examples of current power pop that are really good that aren't like just kind of jangle pop which i'm not a big fan of um so it's still alive and well doesn't really sell but uh it's cool when you have when you have streaming services like we do now you know what what the heck you can take a flyer on anything right it costs you 10 bucks a month whatever so um yeah so it's it's cool that uh uh, it'll be neat to hear you guys talk about the Tories in, in your Power Pop show coming up. Maybe if you mention them as fitting in, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned that new song. I think it's on Spotify as well. It's called We Still Shine. It came out in 2016. Assuming that's the same Tories, uh, Jay and I have discovered that lots of bands are having their names reused now by other <laughs> wow. artists. So yeah, like, there's... It's, it's the same ones. They're okay. the same ones. All right. He discovered there's a new band called Europe. That people might want to. Uh, it's a hip hop artist. Hip hop artist. Like, yeah, this isn't Europe. Oh. <laughs> All right, we're running out of names. We're, we we're are running out, out of names. names. Yeah. Uh, apparently, true. I have just formed a new band called Led Zeppelin. Right. So. It's ambient music, but yeah, it's, who cares? <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, wait. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for spending your Sunday evening chatting with us. 
Yeah, thanks for having me, you guys. It was, it was fun to get in on. I was debating whether I just wanted to listen to see if you guys liked this or tore it apart, but just to be able to get my two cents in was worth uh, worth spending the time. Oh, uh, you know, I think it would be hard for us to um to absolutely destroy something with the person on the air. We haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> well, I don't think I'd pick a record and then come on and say, God, I really hate this record. I mean, that's kind of sick, actually. <laughs> I, I think somebody might do that at some point just to mess with us. But yeah. they'll have to, like, really plan it out. Like, they'll have to figure out something. Because there have been times where one of us have been like, oh, this record, I, I didn't like this at all. And the other person's like, really? I kind of dug it. And then it, <laughs> there's been probably less than five times, I'm guessing, where we were both like, no, nothing worked. Out of, <laughs> and out of 300-something episodes, that's that's pretty rare. So, So thank you. Thank you for uh, supporting the podcast, and um, we look forward to your pick next uh, January of 2019. When we awesome. I'll just start planning right now. There you go. <laughs> you got a whole year to plan. Uh, remind everybody that patreon.com forward slash dig me out is the place to go for a buck a month. You can get bonus content. You can vote on upcoming reviews when we do our polls of four albums released within the month from 20 years ago and then also we will be doing our quarterly giveaways to our patreon subscribers i'm sure we're going to have something cool for q1 i just haven't figured it out yet i have to go through our our swag bag and see what kind of cool stuff no we don't have a swag bag if you'd like to donate to the dig me out swag bag that we can give away let us know Uh, we are open to such things (laughs) <laughs> and uh if you like what you heard please consider leaving us some positive feedback at itunes for jay i'm tim we're out we'll be back next week with another episode of dig me out thanks for listening to support the podcast visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at Zazzle.com. There's nothing I can do or say to change your mind.